I'm your host, Brad Alvarez, and welcome back for another episode as I continue to explore international senior living concepts. Today's episode will explore Japan's proactive approach in preparing for the silver wave long before other countries even recognized this immense need. More specifically, I highlight a few unique Japanese models and the nation's safety net to protect their rapidly aging population. The Japanese have been incredibly proactive with the aging boom. Traditionally, the firstborn son would return to his parents' home and take ownership of the home upon their death. Japan encouraged this, offering reduced inheritance taxes if the son agreed to continue living in the home. This approach worked until the Japanese business climate changed. Not long after World War II, companies had more control over these men than their own parents did. During this time period, Japanese developers created something called Nisitai Jikatu, which means two-generation houses. This unique, multi-generational housing concept essentially put two homes under one roof. It was structured under the pretense that generations could gain the best of both worlds, living together and living apart. Busy adult children could have the privacy they coveted. Mother-in-laws and daughters would bump heads less. The seniors would still be in close proximity to family. After their death, the next generation could either move in or the other half of the home could be rented out for additional cash. Additionally, adult children could live semi-separately while still benefiting from the government's inheritance tax savings. This sounds great on paper, right? It sure does, but it didn't work. The sharing concept led to low satisfaction as it stressed family dynamics. Instead of adult children taking care of their parents, some used the grandparents as live-in babysitters, and this created tension as grandparents felt underappreciated. Daughter-in-laws in this hierarchical culture resented having to subordinate to their mother-in-laws. Nisitai Jutaku accounted for 5-10% to of housing built in Japan for a while before dropping off in the 90s. These homes experienced a resurgence after the Japanese earthquake. In 2011, more than 10% of homes built were two-generational, a number greatly impacted by the response to the 2011 megaquake in northeast Japan. That said, it hasn't been viewed as a sustainable solution. Prefabricated two-generational homes didn't work before, and in their current form, won't work now. However, the Japanese remain unlikely to move into communities. The prevailing sentiment is a desire to age at home. Japan is unique from the other rapidly aging countries I've explored in that home ownership rates amongst the elderly are particularly high. One study cited that 85% of Japanese elderly were homeowners, compared to 61% of the general population. This is because the Japanese elderly benefited tremendously from the post-war boom. Today, a majority of Japanese seniors want to live near, but not with their children, which is difficult due to the shortage of caregivers. Japanese developers have begun to create smart homes to solve this need. Homes being constructed have built-in sensors that remind the occupant to turn off a light switch or take medication. Refrigerators analyze the contents and suggest healthy meal options. They have appliances that self-monitor and self-report issues for maintenance, as well as appliances that automatically turn off. Homes have become more tech-centric, yet authors on Japanese design frequently delve into the layout of Japanese nursing homes, and it is incredibly less tech-centric. They emphasize traditional style rooms, rock gardens, and a hot tub. 
But what I noticed most was how Japanese care is so different from the American style. In the U.S., most residents go to a dining room for meals or to a wellness area for recreational therapy. In Japan, much of this comes right to the residents' rooms. They have flexible architecture to accommodate the multi-dimensional, multi-functional living space that this requires. Japanese fusuma, or sliding panels, make rooms larger or smaller as needed. When families visit, they can go from a small living space to a large dining space simply by sliding panels. Japan has a lot of nursing homes, nearly 5,000 skilled nursing facilities as of a few years ago. And despite these several thousand SNFs, they had a collective 230,000 person waiting list. This number certainly underestimated the total too, since it's excluding lower income nursing homes, as well as nursing homes for individuals from abusive or dysfunctional homes. I focused mainly on private solutions, but to their credit, the Japanese government has made efforts. Starting around 2000, they started offering assistance towards the construction of nursing homes. The issue is that many of these nursing homes were built in remote locations to benefit from cheap land. Heavily populated municipalities sometimes have to transfer low-income seniors to distant, unfamiliar locations because they can't afford private options of home. Besides offering assistance to developers, Japan provides financial support to all seniors. Even those in high-end nursing homes receive payments towards their care. To be fair, most Japanese seniors are expected to go into public senior housing, but with a waiting list of 400,000 as of 2014, there's room for growth in both public and private offerings. Japan also has public medical facilities for seniors who need additional medical treatment, like nursing care or rehab. There is no cost if you accept a roommate, and having a roommate in these medical facilities isn't as bad as it used to be. These buildings used to be drab, but now they are bright and bustling with activities. Unfortunately, there's a three-month limit before you get sent to a senior community or nursing home, but three months of free living contingent upon accepting a roommate is still a great deal. Care houses are yet another affordable option in Japan. These care houses offer a room and in certain cases meals in exchange for welfare payments. It's yet another safety net for the elderly Japanese. Japan's goal is to completely eliminate the need for family members to quit their jobs in order to care for the family. Japan's mandatory long-term care insurance program was established in 2000 for this reason. It started because as more women joined the workforce, the emotional stress of caring for a family member was extreme. A 1994 survey showed that half of Japan's family caregivers were abusing their older relatives and one-third reported hatred. The nation now offers tax-funded daycare, some help, and visiting nurses. The system is still flawed, as it is much more expensive than anticipated. However, it has received a positive reception for reducing the pressure on familial caregivers. Japan has received wide praise because they didn't simply throw money at an issue and bill, which is more or less my perception of China. In the mid-1980s, Japan released a study that a quarter of its population would be over 65 by 2030. Despite this peak not arriving for another 45 years, the government immediately stepped into action to fund research and development into home environments for the elderly. They wanted to create a form of inclusive design that would enable seniors to maintain maximal comfort. They strove to create barrier-free environments. They initially focused on housing for seniors specifically, but soon transitioned to universal design. They were ahead of the curve in managing their aging curve. By all accounts, 
The Japanese took a thoughtful and intentional approach to addressing their aging needs. They created government safety nets to support the poor. They incentivized children to live with their parents in their old age as to not further stress the nation's limited professional caregivers. They began funding effective design for seniors in the 80s, nearly 30 years before this was recognized as a larger issue in other countries. Even today, they recognize the need to help seniors age in place and are constantly linked to stories about smart homes and robotic caregiver pilots. Their proactive approach is one that other nations should both admire and strive to emulate. That's all for this episode on Japan. Thanks for tuning in, and keep your eyes out for the next episode as I continue to cover interesting concepts in aging services. Mm-hmm.